I'm Rachel. And I'm Tristan. And welcome to The X-Files on the Grid. Today we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 4, Conduit. So with this podcast, we have a grid rating system that we use to go through four different categories. Um, Each category ends up being 25% of a score up from 0 to 100. If you're interested in learning more about the grid rating system that we use, feel free to check out grittyfilms.com slash the grid, and that's grittyfilms spelled G-R-I-D-D-Y films.com. All right, so now that that's out of the way, let's talk about conduits. Um, so I guess, um, I guess we'll just jump right into the grid unless there's anything you want to say right off the bat about, uh, about this episode. Um, there's a few things that I have to say, but I'll say it when it's time to say it. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) All right, uh, so let's just jump right in then. Um, so the first category on the grid is going to be mythology. There are five subcategories within this category, the first of which is mythology and character development. Uh, what did you know about anything within this category? Um, it did add a little bit to... Well, it didn't really add much. It sort of stressed Mulder's search for his sister. Yeah. I guess it did add a little bit, because I guess now there's an X-Files case that's open, and yeah. Mulder opened it, and he's part of that case, and like his... Which isn't a conflict of interest at yeah. all. <laughs> his paperwork is in there, and Scully's listening to his hypnosis records, and... Yeah. Also not a... Yeah. Not at all unprofessional. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I liked the things that it added though, because we really we got like we got him, you know, telling the abduction story to Scully in the pilot, right. and then really haven't gotten. I mean, this is only the fourth episode, but still, you know, we really didn't get too much, um, you know, more about it until now. So I think that this, you know, having a whole episode devoted to it instead of just that one scene really helps just solidify that, like, you know, yes, he takes this very seriously, and yes, like he he wants to find the truth, the truth is out there. Like, that's a very big part of it. But it's also this very emotional journey of, like, like what happened to his sister? He wants to find her. Um, right. So, it's like, I mean, that was established in the pilot, but I like what they do with this episode of, like, really stressing that, like, you know, this was a, a traumatic event that happened when he was a kid, but he carries it with him in adulthood, of course, you know, as he would. And and that it's this, um, you know, it's, it's formed his career and... Uh, his decisions thereafter. I now I'm just rambling, but yeah. So I liked what it added um, as far as as his backstory goes and his his emotional journey. So, uh, what score did you give it? Are we doing scores for the subcategories? Uh, yeah. Is there unless there's anything else you want to add for the mythology character development? Uh, nope. All right. So I gave it an eight point five. Um, it was definitely outstanding. Not quite perfect, um, but I really, like I said before, I really liked what it did as far as. Uh, getting an older story further along. Okay. I wouldn't say it was outstanding, in my opinion. It did exceed expectations, so I gave it a 7 out of 10. Okay. So that brings us to the next subcategory, which is going to be plot, structure, and pace. Um, and this one I don't have too much to talk about, really. Like, I thought the, the plot structure was pretty solid, and it moved along pretty good. Yep. I agree. There was nothing that dragged it out or slow. There's nothing that I think should have been cut. There's nothing that they sort of glossed over or didn't spend enough time on. I think it it perfectly met my expectations. All right. So I gave it a 5 out of 10. So I gave, for plot and structure, I gave it a 6. I, I thought it was fine, but um, as you said, not outstanding. 
So the next subcategory is going to be outer goal versus emotional needs. And this one, I think I'm going to have a, a pretty uh, significantly higher score, if that was grammatically correct. <laughs> um, uh, so anyway, so why don't you go first? Because I, I can probably go on for a while about this one. <laughs> All right. So they did have their outer goals. Scully's outer goal, once again, was just sort of to get the job done to do the do the assignment and um yeah that was her her deal um Mulder thought there was something more to it thought that like this was real stuff and not just some a goofy teenage pregnancy shenanigans or whatever you want to call it <laughs> emotional needs Scully I don't know was there again I don't know didn't really focus on her much Mulder was um not trying to find his sister like literally maybe just metaphorically or like like is he proving to himself that he can find the lost sister even if it's not his lost sister i don't know there's something there that's there but i don't know how to word it uh i get, I get what it's you're definitely, saying yeah. yeah it's definitely his crusade yeah um then you know the mom just wanted to wanted people to believe her and get her daughter back and then when she got her daughter back she's like okay everyone go away leave us alone we're just going to pretend that, you know, she you know, got lost in the woods or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I thought that it had a good amount of both outer goals and emotional needs. And I thought it uh, focused on it. All right. Well, I thought I thought this episode really did a lot of really interesting things uh, within this category. It's I mean, it's definitely a Mulder centric episode, like you were saying. It's definitely like as far as his outer goals and emotional needs. I think it's perfectly balanced as far as like his inner need is to, you know, maybe not necessarily find a sister because that would be more of an outer need, but to, to come to terms with what happened or to, to have some sort of emotional closure, whether it be from finding her or accepting right. her loss, like whatever. I mean, and this is right. true throughout the whole series. Like that's just his, his emotional need is to come to terms with this tragedy that happened in his past and then his outer goal, like, I agree with everything you were saying as far as, like, his outer goal is kind of twofold. You know, it's to to find Ruby and to to bring her back home. But then it's also, you know, he's, he's replacing his sister with Ruby in his mind as far as, like, like, well, maybe if I can't find my sister, I can, like, vicariously have that experience of finding a loved one by finding her and bringing her back home to her family and her brother. And, and so it's like a... Okay. It's a very much an emotional journey for him through this this outer goal of finding Ruby. So I really like that. So as far as his his inner goals and outer needs go, like that's just perfect. And then with Scully, she doesn't really have much of an emotional need, which which I think is appropriate for this episode um, because it is so much of a Mulder episode. But her outer goals are pretty interesting too um, because it starts off where like pretty much her outer goal is like well. The FBI thinks we shouldn't go here. Mulder thinks we should. How can I like balance this? And like she's she's a mediator essentially, which which yeah. she is throughout most of the early episodes. You know, it's like, well, like I I trust that Mulder's not crazy, but this seems like a crazy thing he's doing. <laughs> so let's come to a middle ground. Like let's 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 sure. like let like it's not necessarily. To I mean, it is to solve the case. That's obviously a big part of it too. But at least as far as getting there, it's like, like how can I? 
satisfy Mulder, satisfy the FBI, figure out why Mulder really wants to go there, if there's a reason to go there. Like, there's a lot going on uh, as far as that goes. And then I think just her, I don't know if this necessarily goes into outer goals, but I do think it's interesting that by the end of the episode, when she realizes, like, oh, she must have been, like, in suspended or, you know, weightlessness for an extended amount of time. And so she has to kind of decide, uh, like, well, how is she going to interpret this and how is she going to move forward from here? And um, so it's just, it it sets up that, uh, I guess this is more character development. I should have talked about this in the last category, but it sets up that, like, um, you know, faith versus science that that is very much so her inner journey throughout the series um hers is usually more of a, a religious faith but then looking at Mulder's faith and sure. um if, if faith is the right word is his beliefs and his his desire to believe um and then we get the that the famous quote for the first time at the end of this episode yeah. of, of I want to believe speaking of internal needs like that that's also really cool. yeah so that's also very much so his his internal need is to believe, but he doesn't quite. Um, so there's just, I mean, I could just go on and on and on, but I just think that the the balance of that, those internal goals and internal, or not internal goals, internal needs and that like more emotional journey for both characters, but mostly Mulder. And then, you know, with the outer goals and just the, the way they both interpret everything that's happening. I just thought, I thought it was really, really, uh, very well balanced, and and uh, so I gave it a perfect ten in this category. Wow, I must not have been paying attention or something because <laughs> I, you know, once you said it, yeah, that that totally makes sense. What did yeah. you give it? I give it a seven. That's solid. Yeah, it exceeds expectations. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, Scully really doesn't have like I probably could have given it a seven or an eight and and not felt too bad about it um, because. Scully doesn't have nearly as much going on as Mulder does. Um, but for, for my personal tastes and, and what I got out of the episode, um, I thought his journey was was handled well enough and, and her yeah. outer goals were handled well enough um, that I, I felt it deserved a perfect 10 um, for me. So, okay. Yeah. I, I, I do remember that the beginning was kind of weird because instead of them just sort of starting with a case, it was like... Yeah, that one guy talking to Scully, and she had to like justify why this should be a case or something. Yeah, that was that was really weird. I wasn't sure why they put that there. If, if it served a purpose, or maybe they just needed another two minutes of footage or something. Well, I think I think it serves because I think I mean at this point in this like in the first probably two episodes, it's very much so. Um, you know, Scully, it's almost like Scully works for the FBI and Mulder's doing his own thing. Right, because she was sent there to debunk him. Exactly. But by, and we talked about this a lot in the last review for Squeeze, where she, you know, she has a moment where she chooses Mulder over other options or other paths. And so I think this is just a continuation of that, where, you know, instead of just going to Mulder and being like, yeah, we can't go there. This is ridiculous. This isn't the case. She's like, okay, I'm going to listen. And then I'm going to try and convince that. Like, she's more so... It it becomes like she's working for Mulder and communicating his, yeah. you know, it's like the opposite of what they wanted. Um, so I think yeah, yeah. that that's the development that's happening there. I, I thought it worked um, interestingly, I guess. Yeah, that's uh, good. I keep forgetting this is only like the fourth episode. It doesn't feel like seasons. it. Yeah, I mean, this show is just, I mean, it just fully formed. It's like, it's yeah. like Athena out of Zeus's head. It's just... Yep. 
this is Chris Carter's Athena, I guess. Because I think we both said when this episode started, we're like, I forgot this episode was so early. And I feel like we might have said that about, uh, well, maybe we haven't said that about others, but certainly we'll say it again. Because I feel like a lot of season one episodes, it's like, I should know by now that this is an early episode. Um, oh, I know what I was thinking of the one with um, Seth Green. Like I knew, I knew yeah. that episode was early, but I always think he's in an episode later. Um, and I think it's just because I mean, these early episodes are just—it is X Files. Like they usually shows have like an awkward first season. Right. Where it's like, oh man, you got to kind of stumble through the first season and just know it gets better later. And it's just like, yeah, it could just <laughs> as easily be season five. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that uh, that about covers the. Outer goals and inner needs. Sorry, I talked for a while. I, to be fair, I did warn you, but yeah. <laughs> on this next category, it might be more of the same. I have a lot to say about this too. <laughs> so we have genre cliches and tropes coming up next. Um, and this one, um, I thought that this was just really interesting because it's very much so. I mean, obviously, it's sci-fi. It's got aliens. It's got abductions. Um, but they did a lot of things, and, and this is true with a lot of episodes. But there was a lot of like horror tropes. Um, I mean, even like um, uh, when Kevin's looking at the TV and then he turns around and he's like, oh, it's coming from in there. Yeah. Like that very, I've never even actually seen this movie, but I've, I've seen enough references. I'm like, poltergeist. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. And it's, sorry, what were you going to say? No, I'm oh, just agreeing just, with you. Okay, that yeah. is, yes. And even, and even um, <laughs> this, uh, the poltergeist thing was probably intentional, Um this one probably not so much, but at the end of the episode, Kevin's wearing that those stupid suspenders with the striped <laughs> shirt. Yeah. It looks like Chucky. Okay. <laughs> at least in my head. I'm certain that's like, because he's not even, he's kind of a creepy kid, but he's not an evil kid. So I'm certain that was not intentional. Um, but it kind of made me enjoy it just, just because there, there was so, like it, I don't know, there were just elements to this episode that felt more horror than sci-fi um so that kind of just made me laugh and and i liked that um but anyway so i liked that aspect of of the genre and then as far as like if you consider x-files as a genre in and of itself which which i think people should because it's you know it, it just is um you know you have things like uh Mulder and scully running through the forest and it's like Mulder. Scully, like, like that's yep. at least I don't think we saw that in the first three episodes. Um, so we see that for the first time, and then even the the creepy kid, like the, this was the yeah. the first creepy kid in X Files, yep. even though, like I said, not an evil kid, but he's still creepy. He's got that vibe. Yeah. So I actually looked up the the casting director for the show, um, because I was curious if like you know did they recast the casting director you know was it was it consistent throughout the show or did they go through several um and the same guy um except for the pilot the pilot had a different art or a different casting director um but rick milliken uh i believe is how you say his name um it seemed appropriate to give him a shout out because that's not exactly a, a role that gets mentioned very often but man he was throughout the whole entire series just so on point with the casting and and starting uh, with this episode with the first creepy kid, like I don't know how we how we went about finding these kids, but man, he's got an eye for creepy kids. Yeah. Um. So. so you want to find a creepy kid? He's your guy. <laughs> exactly. Um. So so yeah. So I thought you know as far as genre goes, I thought it did a really good job of blending sci-fi and horror and a little bit of procedural. Um. Like those aspects were really good, and then just the the aspects that that 
you know, started to form X-Files as a genre in and of itself, you know, we also get some, some tropes and um, things like that started here. Um, so, so I just thought that the, the genre elements of the episode were, were really solid throughout. I'm sorry I did it again. I knew I would go on for too long. I just love genre so much. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so what, did, what did you think about this category? Yeah, I agree. Oh, I should have let you go first. No, I, I don't really have anything to add. I agree. This is the first time we see the creepy kid. Yeah. Um, so that was really neat. And that was very well done. Um, yeah, you have the teenagers and their shenanigans. That seems to be a reoccurring theme. Yeah. Uh, it's sort of like teenagers versus the adult authorities. Yeah, that is definitely. Um, and it's interesting that you get that because... Um, I just kind of lost my train of thought. It seems like usually, um, you know, you're on, you follow the teenage protagonists and then there's like the adult authoritarian figures looming yeah. in the background. And this is like the exact opposite where it's like, oh, come on kids, stop being stupid. And like, I don't know. Yeah. That's about all I have to say. All right. Uh, so I had originally uh, given the genre cliches and tropes a 9.5 out of 10. And then after talking about it just now, I couldn't figure out what was holding it back from a perfect 10. So I bumped it up. I gave it a perfect 10 wow. out of 10 for genre. What did you give it? I gave it a 9. Okay, solid. Yeah. Well, it's outstanding. It's more than solid. True. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, all right. So that brings us to the last category of the, or the last subcategory within the writing category. And that's going to be dialogue. Um, and this one, I don't really have a lot to say. I thought it was fine. Yeah, uh, I agree. There was only one thing that stands out. Other than that, there was no witty back and forth. There was no Mulderisms, no Scullyisms that I remember. There's, there's maybe a little bit. I mean, there's the, you know, it's at Lake Okaboji. Lake yeah. Oka what? Okaboji. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's pretty mild as it. far as Mulderisms go, but. Uh, there's that. But I don't know. There's a little back and forth. But yeah, I agree. There's not. Not like we've seen in the last three episodes. No. Or what we're going to see in the next ten years. Absolutely. Uh, but there was that one thing at the very end. Under hypnosis, Mulder, Mulder says, I want to believe. That is classic. That is classic. And for that alone, bumps it up a little bit. All right, fair enough. Uh, so what was your score for a dialogue? Uh, it bumped it up to meets expectations. Five. Alright, I gave it a 7. Um, I thought it, it exceeded expectations. Um, I, I just liked the little back and forth between Mulder and Scully in the beginning. Um, definitely that I want to believe at the end. Um, so I thought that was that was enough. Um, and the creepy kid, the few lines he had. Yeah, um, that's true. I forgot about... I, I forgot other people talk. Yeah, seven is still. I mean that that does exceed expectations, but isn't isn't uh, even very close to to outstanding. But isn't very close to that outstanding mark. It's still, you know, yeah. All right. Uh, so that about wraps up the writing category. What was your final score? My final score, which I'm a little surprised by, was a six point six. Exceeds expectations. That does seem a little low, but yeah. I, I'm. I mean, I had two perfect tens in mine, so I guess anything would be a yeah. little low after that. Um, I gave it an 8.3 out of 10 for writing. All right, that's pretty good. 
All right, so then that's gonna bring us to the technical category, which also has five subcategories. The first of which is gonna be acting and casting. Um, I've already talked about this a little bit within um, the writing categories. Um, so I guess I'll let you start if you want. Sure. Uh, <laughs> acting and casting. Uh, I thought they did a great job with it. The creepy little kid was a perfect creepy little kid. Yeah. Uh, the worried mom, that was a worried mom. The teenagers, they were all teenagers. <laughs> uh, the biker bar, the biker dudes. I, I'm just listing people at this point. I don't really know <laughs> what to say. Everything was spot on. I agree. I don't really have anything to add. Um, I feel like I talked about, uh, particularly the casting, I talked about quite a bit yeah. um, already. I don't know how that came up so much in writing, but, um, oh, because of genre, I guess. Um, yeah. But yeah, I agree. I thought everybody was was perfectly well cast and, and they all just was perfectly well cast. That was was perfectly cast, I guess is what I meant to say. Um, and, and the acting, I thought... Um, just to, to give a note on that, I, I thought the acting was really solid. And we have, you know, that very emotional yeah. scene with Mulder at the end. Um, and I thought he did great um, there. And, and even Scully throughout. I mean, she had to be pretty blank-faced throughout a lot of it. But she does a lot with just really... I mean, like, there's that scene where she's talking to uh, to the mom, Dar- Darlene. Was that her name? Or something? Uh... I forget. Something similar to that, if that... Morris was the last name. In any case, um, she's talking to her and and she's saying like um, the Mrs. Morris. I know the last names are right. Mrs. Morris was saying like, you know, I've told this story many, many times and people always have that same look that you have right yeah. now. And she just had like such a blank face that you see just a slight change after that line where she kind of like catches herself and is like, right. like, yeah, yeah. okay, like what? Like, how can I not look so awkward? Like, you know? Um, so I thought just that between the like Scully's more or Julian Anderson's more subtle um, like reaction shots like that, um, and then Mulder's more um, emotional or Mulder, I did it again. Uh, David Duchovny's more emotional performances. I um, was just and particularly for being so early in the series to have such a, a grasp on these characters. Yeah. Um, so I thought their acting. Um, you know, I mean, all the all the guest stars and the casting there was was phenomenal but I, I you know i didn't want that to get lost in the shuffle either because because you know david Duchovny and jillian anderson really knocked it out of the park with this one i thought yeah all right so what was that unless there's anything else you wanted to add what was your score for acting and casting i gave it a nine out of ten outstanding all right, i gave it a perfect 10 out of 10 uh perfect <laughs> yeah all right so then that brings us to the next subcategory which is going to be cinematography do you want to start us off with this one um sure i guess uh i just i don't have too much to say so (laughs) yeah cinematography i don't have too much to say this met my expectations nothing really stood out as all that great or all that bad yeah oh there are a few things i I, I mean relative to x-files yeah yeah like i i'm I'm not sure if we're supposed to compare this to x-files or compare this to everything else i think within x-files okay within x-files this perfectly met my expectations yeah it's hard to say i think uh, i mean i can only talk about how i'm rating it because i mean it's subjective that's kind of the point but uh, like i try to compare it to the episodes we've already watched but obviously expectations for because this is a rewatch we've seen them all already several times most of them um obviously that's going to seep into which which is perfectly acceptable um but yeah so so as far as cinematography go i did give it 
a little bit of a boost, and this goes to what I was saying as far as comparing with, with the only the episodes we've seen so far, is we got, like, those great forest scenes and, like, the, yeah. the fog, I guess, and the running with the flashlights, which, which I know we see a lot. So, I mean, in later episodes, I'm going to have to kind of eventually <laughs> be like, okay, that's just expectations. Um, that's but for true. But for the earlier episodes, I kind of feel like, you know, to have such a grasp on what the show is and what it looks like um, so early and to have such good cinematography. Um, so I did give it a little bit of a bump there. And then I also just liked some of the, some of the camera work um, and some of the framing and things like that. Like you have the, the library scene where um, they're talking to Tessa, I think was her name. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a little, you know, I don't know if stereotypical is the right word, but a little cliche, the like talking through the bookcase, you know, it's not anything super unique, but they do do some interesting stuff where, you know, towards the end of the conversation, her face is half covered by the books instead of being perfectly centered. So it kind of, you know, starts to shift. So, so I thought that that was, was pretty good. You can see that she's like inching out of the conversation. Exactly. Yeah. So I really liked that. Um, And then the scene uh, where, um, Scully's asleep in the bed and asleep in the bed as if there was <laughs> Scully's asleep and the the men in black for lack of a better term sure. like break the into NSA. her yeah that's right they were the NSA that's, that's just men in black right <laughs> the NSA break into her room and um Oh yeah, we got like a <laughs> completely forgot what I was gonna say there. Um, the an NSA breaks into her room and we got like a zoom in on her face as she's like panicking a little bit and looking for her gun. Yeah. Um, and it was a somewhat subtle zoom. It wasn't like a a super quick Quentin Tarantino zoom or anything. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, so I thought that that was nice. Um, just the you know having a little bit of camera movement in there. Um, so so there were some things that exceeded my expectations within cinematography um i guess i have more to say than i thought (laughs) yeah that in fact you actually convinced me to bump it up to a seven all right what score did you give it i gave it an eight okay (laughs) all right so then that brings us to the next subcategory and this one i swear i really don't have much to talk about (laughs) it's gonna be editing and special effects and I, I literally don't think I have a single thing to say about this one. It was fine. Yep. <laughs> my expectations for X-Files episodes. Yep. I gave it a 5 out of 10. 5 out of 10. Yep. All right. So then that was quick. That brings us to the next subcategory, which is going to be sound and music. Um, and one of the things I'll say um, right away is that uh, the music was was on point. Um, I think this is the first episode where I haven't been disappointed. Um, like, I definitely, I mean, it was still a little bit finding its way. I wouldn't call it perfect, um, but definitely an improvement from the last three episodes as far as, you know, feeling like what I remember X-Files sounds like. Um, definitely less yeah. synth, definitely, oh, yeah. um, you know, felt more creepy, almost horror movie, sci-fi, that kind of music as opposed to procedural music. Um, so, so I really liked that. It's, it's definitely the, the biggest step in the right direction that we've seen from, from any of the episodes, I think. And, and to get there, again, like I keep saying with, with a lot of these other categories, to, to, you know, be so, so fully formed by episode four, um, is, is a pretty big deal too. So, so I definitely liked the music within this one. Okay. <laughs> you look like you disagree. I... I'm still not quite sure. Okay. Um, I didn't notice very much music in this one. 
There was no like high adrenaline music. There was no super creepy music. Um, I certainly didn't notice any of the procedural synth. Yeah. Nothing felt out of place, but nothing really stood out. That seems fair. Yeah, I get that. So I'm not sure if this is below expectations or meets expectations, which is kind of weird after you just went on about how much you loved it. (laughs) Well, it's more of a relative thing. I loved it compared to what we've listened to so far. (laughs) Uh, But I get what you're saying about not noticing it too much. There were only a few spots where I noticed it. And then I was just like, oh, this sounds more like... Like, I mostly noticed it because it wasn't the synth more than because it was super awesome music. So, I mean, I get it. That that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I, I think I'll have to go with my original gut instinct and give it a 3 out of 10. Really? Yeah. Wow. It does seem a little harsh. I, was was there anything within the, the rest of the sound design that contributed to that low score? Or is that purely... Was there any other sound design? Well, I mean, of course, but as far as, like, anything specific, not really, I guess. Yeah. I mean, nothing Nothing that stood out to me. I just, That just seems like a really low score, so I was wondering if there was something that stood out to you. No, that's part of why it got to below expectations, is there was... And I think that's just part of the nature of this episode. I was going to talk about this later, but I guess I'll talk about it a little bit now. Is that there was no creepy bad guy. There was no chase scenes, there was no... I almost feel, though, and this is part of why I like this episode so much, I mean, it is subtle, but I almost feel like Scully is a bad guy in this episode. I mean, she, like, sides with the... She sides with the NSA and, like, gives Kevin up and... That's true. And, you know, tells Mulder to stop looking, like, like she's kind of the antagonist in a lot of ways. (laughs) I I thought of that while we were watching it and completely forgot to mention it, so so I don't know how, how noticeable it actually was if I forgot about it so quickly i do remember a couple times thinking damn it scully yeah exactly and i mean Mulder even says like you you shouldn't have done that and she was like well yes i should have like you know like <laughs> huh but i mean she gives an okay. eight-year-old kid up to the nsa that's not really a hero move unless you're the nsa <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think they tried to focus more on like the emotional side and and they yeah. do have episodes later on that are really good at that. And they, they yeah. have good music and good visuals. Yeah. And, and I think they get better at telling that kind of story. Yeah. But for this episode, it, it feels like they're kind of trying to do that. But then there's like nothing creepy, nothing scary, nothing high stakes, no adrenaline. Okay. Um, it was just a little meh. Really? Huh. So right. I, I'm not saying it's a bad episode. I'm saying that this. I think that that type of episode has um, been done better has, or, or will have yeah. been done better when we get to later yeah. episodes. I, the grammar is all yes. over the place today. You, you <laughs> took the words right out of my mouth. That's exactly how I was going to word it. This will have had been done better. <laughs> so that's uh, why <laughs> this was below expectations for me. Or an X-Files episode, 3 out of 10. All right. I uh, I went the complete opposite direction. I thought it, and, and largely, again, just to put it in context, for, for this particular category, I'm primarily comparing it with the three episodes that have come before it, and, and mostly because of the the direction the music is moving towards, and because, like I said, um, I think it's the biggest step we've seen so far into getting right. 
to, uh, you know, the, the Mark Snow X-Files soundtrack that I remember so well, yeah. um, I gave it an 8 out of 10 because I really thought it was the, like I said, the biggest step in the right direction we've seen so far. Seen, I keep saying seen, heard, I guess, so yeah. far. Um, but I, but I totally get what you're saying. I still think three is a little harsh, but I do, I do get what you're saying. It's a little harsh, but that's what my heart says. You just gotta follow your heart. All right. So that's going to bring us to the last subcategory within the technical category. And that's going to be aesthetics. Um, why don't you start if you want? (laughs) (laughs) Why do you keep giving me the ones that I don't have much to say about? (laughs) I have a lot to say about this. I can go first if you want. Um, aesthetics. The only thing that stands out to me that's memorable that I remember from like when I first watched it was it was really neat seeing the motorcycles over the hill. We don't know that's what it is. It's just like this creepy, eerie red light. Yeah. And this weird kid like <laughs> slowly walking towards it. Yeah. Um, so that was uh, a neat twist and very memorable and, and uh, aesthetically striking, I guess you could say. Yeah. That and uh, when the kid has his uh, all his papers on the floor and Scully yeah. goes up the, the stairs and she looks over and sees the, was... the, the little kid's ASCII art. Yeah, that was actually, I uh, I was looking at the trivia mostly because I wanted to see if uh, the Chucky costume was an intentional reference. <laughs> so I was looking at the trivia page. It didn't say anything about that outfit, which is fair, but... Um, one of the pieces of trivia is that they had originally, you know, printed out like a computerized, you know, rendition of that, put it on the floor. And then they're like, no, it looks too perfect. So someone from the prop department spent like an entire weekend yeah. hand me like hand replicating sure. it. So that was like by hand. Um, so that's enough to bump up the category for me. Wow. Yeah. I thought that was pretty impressive. Um, and then, I mean, just little things like the the floral carpet runner on the staircase I noticed and just being like, wow, that is, huh. that is from the nineties, which obviously, yeah, it was from the nineties. It was made in the nineties. Like that's yeah, they, not, I don't know. But. They always do a really good job with the interiors of people's houses. Like yeah. each house looks different, but you can mm-hmm. still see like, I don't know. There's still something that's like their, their military houses all have a certain look. Yeah. And they're like, and the city houses have a certain look, and their suburban houses have a yeah. certain look. But each one's distinct still. So. Yeah. And even, like, just, like, when they were, like, destroying the house and searching it and everything, have, like, the broken piggy bank, and they're yeah. flipping through all the books, and there's, like, the jungle book, and, you know, things like that, and, you know, the... The little kids' uh, crayon the drawings. drawings. Yeah. yeah, like, things like that. So just the, the attention to detail. There's, like, action figures and... I mean, obviously, it's a kid's room. Any set designer is going to throw some of that stuff in there. But it just felt very, um, just just very appropriate. Like, it felt like they just went into a kid's room and filmed. Like, it really felt, yeah. it felt lived in and it felt unique. And um, so I just, I really liked the set design. And then, like I mentioned earlier, we have the, you know, the forests. And, you know, they're filming on location in Toronto at this point. So, you you know, you have the, they're actually out in a forest. And, and it, you can tell. Like, it really, it, right. you know what I mean? You just... I, I can't get enough of those forests. Um, so things like that within the aesthetics I thought was great. Um, and even things like the makeup I thought was really well done. You have the the singed off ear and uh, right. the end scene with Ruby, like the bruising just looked really, um, I mean, that's not the most difficult that's makeup true. in the yeah. world. Like, I, I, Yeah, that is 
part of this can- subcategory, yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. So, so things like that. And even, um, this, <laughs> this is a, kind of a silly thing, but I, I really appreciated it when Mulder and Scully get woken up by the NSA in the middle of the night. They both have total bedhead, and they're yeah. like, talking to each other, and Mulder's got, like, hair sticking straight up, and... Scully's hair all disheveled, and it even looked like Jillian Anderson might not have been wearing makeup. It's it's hard. I'm mean, sure she was wearing some, but less than usual. Like it, it, they just looked like they had just woken up, and that's that's something a little bit more in TV than movies. But usually, um, that usually doesn't happen. Right. Um, so Everyone I just, wakes up with perfect hair, and exactly. Um, so I just I just appreciated that they they actually looked like they had just woken up. Um, okay, I. I... Totally forgot about hair and makeup and costumes and stuff. Yeah. And and I do I do tend to forget that this is like the first season of a show that I guess they weren't sure how well it was gonna do and and it's a TV show, so they generally don't spend that much money. But yeah. they made all these interior sets for every episode and they mm-hmm. use them once and these props, they use them once, maybe maybe more than once, but you only yeah. notice them once. Yeah, yeah, so usually. it's really impressive how mm-hmm. much they, how much time and money they spend on this. I don't even think they spent that much money. I think it was more spending time to make, make what they had available look so good. Because I think the first season was, was pretty low budget. Yeah, I'm I think sure I think by like season two, they had already gotten pretty popular. Um, and yeah. so the budget pretty much increased significantly each season after that. But I mean, yeah, it just yeah. it just looks amazing right from the get go, regardless. You know? um, so yeah, so I really liked that, and and you even have things like um, you know you have the the middle class family and and their kind of dynamics, and the teenagers have, or I guess the one teenager see Tessa has kind of like a punk rock ish look, yeah, and the the biker, I guess she's like a cross between like middle-class suburbia and a biker or something. (laughs) Um, And then you have like the bikers. And and so like, there's all these different groups of people that all seem appropriately dressed and and appropriately cast to go back to that. But, you know, so I just thought, you know, just all of the attention to detail within, um, you know, hair, makeup, costumes, sets, props, locations, like all of the, all of the aesthetics um, I just thought was, was very well done. And just the, the attention to detail was, was on point. Yes. So what was your score for aesthetics? Uh, I gave it a 7 out of 10. Alright, I uh, once again gave it a perfect 10 out of 10. Perfect 10 out of 10. I thought it was uh, really well done. I thought about just doing a 9.5, but there was enough stuff I liked. I think once I, after I read the trivia about hand drawing the... <laughs> yeah, the... that's true. That's That's pretty impressive. Yeah. All right, so that wraps up the technical category. What was your um, overall score out of 10 for technical? It was 6.2, exceeds expectations. All right, mine uh, was an 8.2, outstanding. All right, that is outstanding. All right, so that brings us to the next category, which has no subcategories. <laughs> this is just going to be memorability. Um, and this one, I felt kind of similarly to, um, when we saw Deep Throat, we both talked about how, like, we'll remember certain things, but other ones, not so much. Um, yeah. I thought it was a little bit more memorable overall compared to Deep Throat, but, and, and certainly nowhere near as memorable as, as the pilot or Squeeze. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of, um, I guess in the middle somewhere. Um, so I gave it, um, I guess I'll just say my score. I gave it a 7.5. Um, 
you know, it definitely is a lot more memorable than some, um, but certainly isn't, um, you know, it's, it's not what it's definitely, you know, when we saw the next episode was conduit definitely was like, which one is that again? And then the, of course the thumbnail yeah. is the boy pointing at the TV. And he's like, okay, yeah, no, I remember that one. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's certain things that are really memorable, but then, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not one that would pop into my head is like, you know, oh, I feel like watching X-Files. Let's go to this one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's kind of in the middle. <laughs> so, so that's why I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. Okay. Uh, for me, it's also kind of in the middle, which is why I gave it a 5 out of 10. Right. that is the middle. Well, I meant in the middle of... <laughs> the middle of perfect and average, I guess. Oh, okay. I guess I should have clarified. Not literally the middle, <laughs> but the middle of... Yeah, okay, the, those, I Yeah. So for me, it meets expectations. Um, yeah. I couldn't remember what it was from the title, uh, but then I watched like five seconds. And yeah, I that knew, opening I scene. Which one it was. Yeah, there's there's something very like as soon as as soon as you see like the trailer, I just hear the moms were saying Ruby, yeah. Ruby, <laughs> like yeah. just like that. Like it's just like the whole scene from beginning to end. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I got this. Like I, I know exactly how the scene ends. Yeah. Um, so once I started to see it. I remembered it, but uh, didn't remember what it was. I remember a few little things about it, like seeing the, the, the kid pointing at the TV, saying that's where the signal's coming from. Yeah. The uh, NSA rummaging through the kid's room. Um, the, the hand-drawn ones and zeros making a picture of Ruby. Mm-hmm. But there's, again, I think it's just, it's one of those episodes that, that doesn't really contribute to the mythology. It doesn't have, like, a creepy monster it doesn't it doesn't have anything that's so out of the ordinary that it really stands out for me. Okay. So, yeah, meets expectations. All right. Uh, so that brings us to the last category, which is going to be overall enjoyment. Uh for me, it's pretty much what I just said about memorability. Um yeah. it wasn't like, oh yeah, that was a great episode. I really enjoyed watching that episode, but it wasn't a terrible experience there was no like really crazy idea or really wild idea or really funny characters or yeah it was it was fine that's actually that's about how i feel about it too for as many perfect tens as i gave it in a lot of the uh the subcategories um when i take a step back and think about like i mean like i said like it's not one that i would be like i feel like watching x files let me scroll through the names of episodes oh yeah that one like it's just when watching, like, in order from beginning to end, uh, I think it's an interesting one. I think it has a lot of oh, a yeah. lot of strengths, contributes to to the show as a whole. Yeah. Um, but once you know these things about the characters, it's not really one that's necessary to revisit. And it's not one um, that's that much fun to revisit. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it definitely has things I really, really like. Um, and I think it does a lot of things really, really well. But as far as, is this the most enjoyable episode to watch? Um, and this one I do definitely... Um, think more ahead of like, well, what episodes are coming up and, and yeah. um, you know, what, what's the, what's the bar for, for enjoyability within X-Files? Um, so, so with that in mind, I gave it a, a 6.5 out of 10. Okay. What did you give it? I gave it a five. Okay. How about extra credit? 
I gave it, I gave it one point of extra credit, um, just for, for having the first creepy kid. I know it was kind of covered in, in both genre and casting. Um, but I think it's, it's a big enough thing. It's like, this is something they're, they're really well known for. Like, I remember even as when I was a kid and I mean, not that little of a kid, but like, like I remember being like, oh yeah, X-Files, they do creepy kids. Like that's, you know, it was like. It's one of their tropes. Yeah. And it was like, you know, when you saw an episode and you knew there was going to be a creepy kid and it's like, oh, this is going to be good. It's going to be creepy. Like, there's yeah. just, you know, it's it's uh, something that it becomes very well known for. And, and like you said, it's a trope. Since this established it, um, yeah, I thought I'd give it a little extra credit um, okay. for that. <laughs> Even though that's totally double dipping. Um, it but is, I, I but thought you it was, do like to double dip. I know. If it's something that I really appreciate, sometimes it just needs a little extra boost. Yeah. How about you? Any extra credit? Nope. All right. Uh, so that just brings us to our total scores. What was your total score? A 57 meets expectations. Mm, kind of low. Uh, yeah. I mean, mm. out of 100, 57 is lower than I would expect most X-Files episodes to be. But it met my expectations. That's yeah. not a bad score. No, it's not bad. It's not good, but it's not bad. It's right in the middle. <laughs> I, I think that describes this episode pretty well for me. Uh, I gave it a, a 77.25 out of 100. Um, mostly I just, I really do like the uh, internal storylines, I guess, or the the more emotional side of it. Um, I do agree that later episodes do it better. Um, but for being such an early episode, I thought it was um, really well done and definitely, you know, gets you to know these characters in a different kind of way. Um, so within the context of it only being the fourth episode, I, I stand by it. I think that's, um, it exceeds my expectations, particularly for being such an early episode. Um, yeah, so that's what I gave it. Uh, is there anything else you want to add for Conduit? Uh, no, I think, I think I said everything. All right, me too. So I guess that wraps up uh, this episode of The X-Files on the Grid. We'll be back next week to talk about Season 1, Episode 5, The Jersey Devil. Until then, be sure to subscribe to The X-Files on the Grid wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're so inclined, you can check out uh, Gritty Films over on Patreon if you want to find out how you can help support Gritty Films. And that's going to be over at patreon.com slash grittyfilms. And once again, that's Gritty Films spelt G-R-I-D-D-Y. And I think that uh, just about wraps it up. Uh, We will see you next week. 